You're listening to The Mercenary Podcast, a podcast dedicated to young innovators in technology, entertainment, and business. Today, we're joined by Mitch Goldich, social media producer for Sports Illustrated. Okay, cool. This is Dan Clifton. Welcome to Episode 8 of The Mercenary Podcast. We are joined on this episode by Mitchell Goldich, uh, who is a sports writer and video journalist and is currently a social media producer for Sports Illustrated. Welcome That's to the me. podcast, Mitch. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so a little background. Um, Mitchell, uh, uh, Matt Monahan, and I went to high school outside Philadelphia originally, so uh, much of this uh, will be skewed uh, towards Philadelphia-based sports. And so if you are a fan of anybody else, keep listening. Yeah, let's just get that but out of the way. <laughs> there'll be – there's heavy bias, um, which is obviously – you know, I want to talk to Mitch about, you know, how he can't sneak in when he's tweeting about a Cowboys-Packers game. How can you just – how can you be impartial? So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that because I would just be wishing for everyone to get hurt because I'm, cause I'm sort of uh, a jerk in that way. <laughs> um, but uh, so, Mitch, yeah, what do you do uh, for Sports Illustrated? Sure. So um, like you said, I'm a social media producer there, and I actually just started – uh, coming up on three months since I got hired there. And basically my job on the day-to-day basis, well, I, the, the first thing you should know is I work uh, very strange hours. I like to call myself the nocturnal social media producer because uh, five days a week I'm there from 6 p.m. until 2 a.m. Um, and my job is essentially to manage our accounts on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram for the hours that I'm on the clock. And uh, – basically uh sharing posts and uh and it's fun at night because it's a lot of live game coverage that's when all the big games are nights and weekends uh so it's a lot of fun because it's a lot of uh posting and and sharing things at the time that sports fans are most excited to be staring at twitter and paying attention to what's going on so yeah if you want to if you want to watch a game big game and also have snarky but very intelligent commentary go along with it you're 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 the guy you're the guy to follow um, Although we don't, uh, we're not too snarky from the main account, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, because that that would rub people the wrong way. You can't, you can't uh, when the Dex Bryant uh, catch the other day. You can't really make fun of Cowboys fans uh, when that's happening, or else you're going to hear from them. Right, or or Chris Christie. You can't make fun of Chris Christie, or well, I mean, you, I, don't, I don't know how you couldn't. We but. made fun of Chris Christie a little bit. That's good. Uh, that's, that's good. good. <laughs> all right. Um, so. You do that uh, five or six days a week, or is it like all the time, or or is that what what sort of your you know it's like do they have you plan around my typical uh, my typical schedule is uh, from Saturday to Wednesday uh, those five days, and then Thursdays and Fridays are my two off days. So it's very strange uh, to have that as my weekend, and then also just that I, I sleep weird hours and I run errands in the middle of the day when everyone else is at work, and it's uh, it's been a very weird lifestyle, but it works for me because I have always been a night owl anyway. So it's I sort of view it as uh, as part of the adventure. Now, did this job exist? I mean, obviously Twitter didn't exist ten years ago, but like, did this did this job even exist like two or three years ago? Or can you talk about that a little bit about how? like how uh, all this has sort of developed recently? Sure. I, two or three years ago, yes. Uh, but I can tell you our team at SI has grown a lot uh, just recently. Um, as recently as uh, maybe a year ago, I think there was just one guy doing everything on his own. I don't know how he did that um, or you know, kept was able to keep up everything uh, around the clock. Um, but when they hired me, I became the fourth person on our team and so it's definitely an area I think all media companies and, and probably all companies in general are ramping up their social media teams um, just because that's where so many fans or viewers or customers or whoever, that's where they are. Uh, so now we have four people, which uh, makes it easier for us to have somebody on uh, most hours of the day when things are happening. Um, but, I, you know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of places – you know, have had social media for the last few years. It's not like it's totally new, but it's definitely, I mean, within the last five years, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, is popping up and, and becoming more, a more frequent job for people like me who are writers, um, but also have a social media background 
And, you know, I feel like because the first few people that got hired to do it, it was like, okay, well, why don't you just try this? And now there are more and more people who actually have a couple years experience working in social media and then can take on a job like this. So, uh, you know, people are starting to get good at it and, and a lot of companies are great at it too. Could I ask you, um, like what kind of tools you guys use? Sure. Um, uh, well, we so what so um, as far as like posting and, and getting yeah. stuff up or yeah. what do you um, yeah I mean we I usually just use TweetDeck um, and that's our main thing TweetDeck's great because I've got a, we've got a million columns and because uh, we keep track of a bunch of different accounts um, as far as other tools I mean we use Bitly to shorten our links but there's not a ton that I do that's uh, like crazy or that people would would be surprised or not really know how to do it's actually uh, you know it's not that difficult um to sort of keep up okay i don't know if that if that makes i don't know if keep up is the right word but it, well, it's, I mean, uh, like, it's it's really it's not like we're doing anything that different from um from a lot of other companies or people who are tweeting at home you know i think it's uh i don't want to make it sound like it it's uh you know the easiest thing but it's not it's not like rocket science we're not doing anything too complicated i don't think yeah i, I just like i hear about a lot of different um like automation platforms that are like geared towards like this problem. So there's, there's things like TweetDeck, Um, but there's, there's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like buffer or Hootsuite. Or yeah. Like... I've, and I've used Hootsuite before. I think I, I just like TweetDeck and, and oh, yeah. I'm comfortable in there. Um, it's and, also I mean, free. Uh... It's also free. And we, we use it to, I mean, schedule tweets. Uh, sometimes a lot of what we do is, is live though, instead of scheduled, just because, you know, things change and it, sometimes it's dangerous to, to schedule something and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen and you might want to change your plan. Um, but, but for the most part, I just kind of use TweetDeck and, and stare at that for eight hours while I'm at work. Yeah. I promise. I promise I'm not uh, trying to sell you on anything, but, uh, do you guys <laughs> use any analytics? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, we use mostly Chartbeat. Okay. Um, which I don't know how, if you're familiar with that or people listening, but that's sort of our main tool to use to track um, how many people have clicked on every page. And it's really cool with uh, live uh, live tracking because you can see how many people are on our website right now and how many people are on each individual story and where did they come from. And that's fun for us to check out, like, you know, to see which Facebook posts are driving traffic to the site and which tweets are doing well and sending people. And that can be fun to play around with, too. Cool. Yeah, are the because everything changes so quickly, right? I was going to ask you if do you have a lot of uh, like Dewey? You want to avoid the Dewey beats uh, Truman sort of uh, like (laughs) scheduled tweets that suddenly like you know it's like so what if you know you had a bunch of stuff in the timeline because I can just imagine there being such an immediacy to get stuff out because you know as soon as after games finish, a lot of times I see stories that come out immediately and you can tell they had a few narratives prepped. Is that sort of what it's like, or am I just sort of imagining that? No, I mean, there's a lot uh, pre. We call it like pre-written content. Um, so, like, I don't know, an example for the Heisman Trophy. Like, everybody knew that uh, Marcus Mariota was going to win, so we had that story written ahead of time. And it was just a matter of they. I was on. I was working that night, and uh, they told me, "Okay, Mitch, we've got the story. It's going to come right away." So I'm watching the ceremony on TV like anyone else, and then they announce that he wins. And right away, I tweet uh, the announcement that he won. And then within 90 seconds, the story, the full story was posted. And then I share the link to the story and send it out and get people there. So a lot of times we do stuff ahead. But you're right. Sometimes uh, you'll do like a if you have like a game preview, you're like, okay, well, we're going to share these. Um, And we did that for like every bowl game. We collected all these previews for a month and said, okay, we've got them and we'll post them before the game starts. But it's dangerous to schedule it because, you know, a player gets hurt or arrested or something changes and then, you know, it kind of ruins your whole thing. You don't want to have a scheduled tweet uh, with with total misinformation and, and stuff like that and send it out. I just want to see somebody just put Eagles win Super Bowl. Like it's like shit. We really if that if that happens with this account, that's my fault. I I take responsibility for that one. If if there's an accidental Eagles win the Super Bowl post, yeah. It's like I had that one saved up for like six months. I just forgot about it. 
I was was... confident. That's when I scheduled it in TweetDeck. That's all. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've already I've already saved you know Sixers win championship in 2019. Like you know that's already scheduled because obviously that's going to happen. But you can look that far ahead. We bought the hats already too. Right. Well, no, that's actually the funny. I I want to know where those hats go. I love the hats. Where did they go? No, they all go to like West Africa, right? I feel like wasn't there. Yeah, no, I, I think actually it's true. They make because they make them for both teams, and uh, and they send them to uh, like kids who are poor and need clothing. They actually do send those. So there, there are. Uh, right, these... they donate them to like the Red Cross or something, and so then oh, when man. there's like an earthquake somewhere, like you know, if there's like an earthquake somewhere, suddenly like all of their, you know, all the Eagles win 2005 Super Bowl sweatshirts are being handed out to to, to these earthquake victims and stuff like that. Um, I, I would pay a decent amount of money for like a like a 94. Is it 94? The Phillies uh, lost to the Blue Jays. No, 93. Uh, 93. Yeah. 93. Yeah. I would lo- uh, I would love a hat that said <laughs> Phillies World Series champions 93. You could probably get one, but you know, I always thought that was a, I always thought that was a really funny uh, phenomenon because I feel like now. Uh, immediacy is so much more achievable, whether it's in 3D printing or whatever. But I feel like for years, uh, the whole idea of you need to have two of these because you needed to reveal them right away when somebody won something. I always thought that was really funny that it's like you have a whole um, a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's almost like when... And like uh, the, the newspapers that the players hold up after the games too. You just saw yeah. that in the college football game. Well, someday they'll they'll... Because like newspapers won't exist anymore, they'll just like hand them a tablet and be like, "Can you hold up this tablet with our yeah. uh, with our <laughs> website that says that you guys won?" Like, all right, sure. Yeah, uh, I feel like the um, it's also it's kind of akin to when they when a team's about to win, and I, and I always think this is like really bad luck. But it's like I think this happened in the Heat Spurs uh, two years ago when the Heat eventually won. But you know that they bring the trophy out on the court. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, that's kind of mm, maybe we should wait a little bit. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm trying to think like what would be, what would be sort of like the nuclear option moment where you, know, you guys have so you're you're in a shift. Is there an example of a story or something that came along that completely transformed like your whole week or your whole day that you had one narrative going and all of a sudden you had to completely change everything? Was did anything like that happen so far? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh... <clears throat> Well, I so I know, and, and talking to you guys ahead, uh, ahead of time, uh, you wanted me to talk about sort of some of the interesting uh, aspects of my job that people might not think about. And um, one of the stories that just popped into my mind, not to take this in a, in a heavy direction, but actually I was working the night um, of the announcement in Ferguson, um, which did totally change uh, our plan for the night uh, because we just, you know, didn't really tweet much about sports. I think there was a football game going on, and it was interesting to see. Uh, you know, that's basically the only thing anyone was talking about was what was happening in Ferguson, mm-hmm. and uh, so we were kind of like keeping an eye on other companies and and sports websites and Twitter accounts, and it was just a lot of silence. And you want to be careful to be respectful and not say anything that's uh, accidentally insensitive. So from our account, we sort of uh, we were just kind of hanging out, watching what was going on and, and being careful not to post anything. So sometimes it's like things in the real world that are outside of sports happen and sort of uh, totally disrupt your whatever you thought the plan was going to be for that day. Um, yeah, you don't want to be the um, – recently I saw you know the, the shootings in, in France and, and you know my Twitter feed and a bunch of other things were just dominated by stories about that. And you, you don't want to be the celebrity who is hawking some weight loss uh, thing that suddenly <laughs> – like like they, they planned out – like their team planned out tweets like 30 days in advance yeah. and then like some celebrity in the middle of it. It's not even a promoted thing, but it's like it's like this is about this tragedy. Tragedy. This is about this tragedy, and all of a sudden, it's like the celebrity is like, "I lost thirty pounds." You know, you don't want to be that person who's like just tweeting uh, nonsense in the middle of something and being insensitive. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you don't want to say anything about like your terrorist diet or something like that. <laughs> well, you probably shouldn't say that anyway. I don't, I don't. I'm not sure what that is. Is that like you're like in a cave and can't eat anything kind of diet, or you're like, what is what I, is that? I think it's it's just like a training camp. Uh, right, a lot of monkey bars. I mean, that, that's at least the the Al Qaeda videos that I've seen. They that's, have... a, that's the only video they have. <laughs> it's just it's monkey just them bars. Doing a lot of monkey bars, which I guess would be effective, yes. right? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't. That, um, yeah, but I can see. Uh, I can see why that was the case. Um, so, uh, 
one thing I was going to ask you, and, and maybe you can answer this in sort of a politically correct way, but so I always think of ESPN as the mothership, right? And I know people call it that in, in sports because there's so many other things that come out of it. How relevant is Sports Illustrated at this point because of the death of the magazine, and how have they transitioned? I know nothing about this, so I don't really know uh, how dumb a question that is. But because is the magazine still important to them? Have they transformed their outlook? Like, what's what's your take on that? Sure. I mean, I can tell you, I don't know a lot of uh, like financial details. Like, I you know, I'm not. Uh you know, looking at budgets and spreadsheets and, and knowing how, you know, how the magazine drives our business model. Um, but I know that, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I mean, I still think that it's relevant. Um, you know, we see, uh, how excited people get when their team or their player is on the cover of the magazine. And I think that still resonates to, you know, to be the SI cover. And, uh, we tweet that out every Tuesday and put it on Facebook and people get, well, they get either really excited or, or really bummed out based on who's there. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I still think the magazine is, is relevant and we have a lot of good stuff there, but we also just, you know, have to keep up with the digital agent and, and post uh, just about everything online as well. Um, and, you know, online is huge and that's where we get a ton of, and any media company is going to get a ton of their revenue from there. Um, but, you know, I think every company is sort of adapting and trying to be good at both. And I think that's our goal too. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, I was going to say that it's, it's, it's just interesting because I feel like the, um, in terms of where ESPN's at with all of the, the TV contracts and everything, I feel like they sort of dominate the narrative. But um, there's still a certain cachet, you know, about being on on the cover of that magazine. It's, I feel like that will sort of never go away. And the uh, it's like, you know, when, like, Monet Davis was on the cover and whatever. I mean, obviously there's the jinx, which is equally right. as important. It's like <laughs> the Madden the Madden cover jinx. But We, yeah. uh, we heard from a lot of people. Um, so before, so we also, we have a lot of regional covers where we'll just have, uh, four of them and send them out to different parts of the country. And we did that before the college football playoffs started where each of the four teams, well, well, maybe a little, but we put each of the four teams on the cover and sent them out. And I made the joke that, you know, we can't jinx all of them. Somebody has to win. Uh, but then we, uh, we had our prediction, and SI's official prediction had Oregon beating Ohio State and had a, an Oregon Duck on the cover, and we sent that out with the score. And we heard about that from a lot of people. As soon as the game ends, like just about every Ohio State fan on Twitter tweets back at us, and they're like, hey, you guys got it wrong. And and so we actually uh, – we shared something uh, – I think uh, it wasn't me. My my boss posted like, "Oops, we did it again" with a picture of our uh, prediction that was totally wrong after the game. And you know, we have a little fun with it. Some people get very mad, but uh, they need to relax because <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just sports, I, I feel and like... we're having fun. And sorry, we picked your team to lose, but uh, <laughs> you know, everybody just just chill out for a bit. Yeah, do you? So I guess in in that vein, do you like? Do it, do you get some tweets that are, get such an overwhelming response that you're like, I don't even know how to respond to the 200 people that just sent me a, a tweet back? Like, how do yeah. You- oh, we don't. We can't. I mean, we can't respond to everybody. We get we get a lot of hate uh, from from the trolls out there. The best hate messages those get printed out and saved, <laughs> uh, and, and and we have those some of the uh, the the meanest or funniest things that people have come back and said to us. Do you but, like bulletin? It's like bulletin board hate material that you have. I yeah. I accept. Yeah, they gotta, it's like when the teams are, are getting psyched up for the next game. Like this is what they're saying about us, and and that's what we have to to keep us going strong. Um, <laughs> I, but, I, ex- I accept that challenge. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Thanks. I look forward to seeing that. Um, no, we we deal with a lot of trolls and angry people, and everybody accuses us of being biased. And and you know, just like you see, if you go to any, like if you read the comments on a story anywhere on the internet. Uh, but yeah, people get fired up about their football teams, and they. Well, wanna, I was going to ask you about the troll it. thing because I, I feel like seventy five percent of your job is probably troll control, uh, which is uh, a great term. But I, I, I always like thought that. Still that. Yeah, I I always thought that when, you know, once blogs, I'm not sure when this happened, uh, but once blogs started having the embedded Facebook comment so that people could actually, you could comment on stuff, but it's actually your Facebook. And because Facebook has always been about, like, that's a real person behind this, you know, for the most part, well, you know, I always thought that sort of trolling 
would sort of like be reduced a little bit. But you know, people no yeah. people you just would think that, but you would think, but no. <laughs> it's like if, Our, if uh, people are going to be a racist asshole on and have it be on their Facebook. I guess they think that's okay. I don't know. I yeah, just, our uh, Facebook page. We. Uh, that's another. That's that's one of the uh, less glamorous things that I do is uh, booting people out. A lot of it we let it stay, but some people uh, comments get deleted or uh, are bad enough to delete the comment and ban the user. Um, just, I mean, we get a lot of uh, you know stories when like sports and politics mix. And they'll say, you know, this isn't a sports story or, or stick to sports. Or then, you know, like we had this a lot with um, there was the wave of athletes who were wearing the I can't breathe T-shirts when they were warming up for uh, NBA games and then college and even high school. And, you know, that's news when Derek Rose does that or LeBron does that. And we make the decision to publish stories about that and share them on Facebook and then uh, the comments just unravel and it's people who are either complaining about us posting it or then people actually defending us posting it. But then that turns into a fight and then people actually debating the issues and, and it just, it, it's a mess. And, uh, sounds and it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds like fun. So how much of your, so how many hours a day do you think you dedicate to troll control? <laughs> um, it, I wouldn't say it cracks an hour a day. It's uh, <laughs> it's, on, it's on the small end. Sometimes it can be fun in a, you know, in, in the way I mean that it, it's fun for us to talk and joke about it. I mean, you know, sometimes you post a story and you just know what you're gonna get. Like it's you post a story about Johnny Manziel and you just know that 500 people are gonna complain. Oh, another Johnny Manziel story, and I want to be like, well, yeah, I looked at Chartbeat and a ton of people are, are reading all these stories, so we're gonna keep posting it. Um, well, that's a, I'm really just, glad you brought up Johnny Manziel actually because and <laughs> and the analytics because uh, it's interesting that you guys use. I mean, not interesting. I mean, I would have assumed, but you guys use a lot of analytics to see what tweets drive stories, what stories are popular. Um, when it comes to people like Johnny Manziel or maybe even Tim Tebow in the past, um, a lot of times I feel like there's this overall narrative that I think a lot of people think, and you can probably refute this with a very correct answer, but a lot of people think no one cares about Johnny Manziel, no one cares about Tim Tebow. They're not. It's not like they're stars. It's not like they're actually performing. But tons Why? of people care. Yeah, it's yeah. But no, but no, but but the thing is, that people. I think the overall narrative is: well, what is the media? It's a media-created story. Why does the media always do this? But. Can you tell me that people do care, and that's why, like, you guys just don't make this up for your own good. Like, you, like you want you, you're getting you want to publish these stories because you know, based on analytics, that that people care about this, right? Yeah, and I mean, and uh, and again, I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't call myself the expert on on the analytics, and and I don't know what uh, you know, like our uh, our top top stories are at all times. But uh, generally, yes, I think for SI and for any company, I've I've always thought this that it's like you know any media company they know how many people are clicking on every story and watching every video and tuning in. And people would stop posting on a topic that nobody was reading about. And when we post something about, you know, whether it's a Manziel or a Tebow or somebody like that, it, it typically it'll do well on Twitter and Facebook and, and it moves the needle and people talk about it. And, and you're right. A lot of the comments are going to be, you know, oh, we don't care. Nobody cares about Manziel. But it's amazing how many people do, and, and well, they want to hear the the update about his latest fight with the offensive coordinator or whatever's going on. I mean, from my perspective, I don't really know who Johnny Manziel is aside from the uh, Snickers commercials. Um, but I looked. Sure, good. I'm looking at his his uh, his Wikipedia, and under personal life, it's, it just it's like a kind of a non sequitur. It's just like Manziel is a Christian. Manziel is a friend of rap artist Drake. <laughs> and, is. Yeah, is. And, yeah, yeah. And April and in April twenty two thousand fourteen, Drake released a track entitled Draft Day, which includes a shout out to Manzo. <laughs> I I wish I wish that my uh my Wikipedia page, which has nothing on it, uh had something similar. Because <laughs> that's just like that gives me no information about who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I think he's just I think he's sort of the latest person where um I'm trying to think who else is real. I, mean, I guess I guess the Tim Tebow thing, but I, I guess people like I didn't get why people really cared about that. I guess you know, we can make fun of ESPN because you don't work there, uh, but 
you know, you know, it's like the ESPN thing. It's like when Tim Tebow, he won the playoff game, then he got traded to the Jets or whatever happened. I forget what he signed with the Jets. And then there was like automatically this whole, I feel like 20% of ESPN's coverage was devoted to him being on the Jets. I mean, is that motivated or is it just, is that based on analytics or is it just, are they just making shit up or what, 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 what is sort of your take on that? Well, I don't know that they're, I, I, it's hard to say. What I will say about that situation is that the Jets had a press conference because they knew that the press wanted to be there and cover the story. And so that shows you it wasn't just ESPN. There were a ton of outlets that wanted to talk about Tebow, and everyone made jokes that it was the first press conference to announce signing a backup quarterback. But, I mean, you can look, and, and the room was packed, and there were a ton of people there from a ton of different outlets. I'm sure SI covered it. I wasn't working there at the time. Um, but – you know, the the team knows, uh, you know, how much access uh, is, is going to be requested and, and uh, how much they'll have to do. So I think, you know, whenever there's a story like that, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think people people know what's a story and what's not. And even if they post stories that, uh, you know, maybe aren't as important as other stuff that they could post, it's it can still be newsworthy. Well, and, that's, and, and I would say that's that makes sense for. Uh, for the web, and, and maybe that's the big difference between the web and the magazine, is that in the magazine, we're not going to just devote 16 pages to Tebow or Manziel or whoever. But if you're doing stuff online, there's really no harm in just uh, posting one extra story because it doesn't matter you know, if we post uh, you know, 100 stories one day or 101 stories. You know, that extra Tebow story or that extra Manziel story, it's like you know, if we have the people in the office who are able to do it and, and it's not too much of a drain on time or resources, then yeah, post it. And if people click on it, that's great. And if they don't, then you know, move along. So what are your um... – Speaking of narratives in general, what were some of your nar- your favorite narratives from from last year? Uh, there was a lot of it seems like a lot of stuff happened uh, in sports. But what were some of your narr- your favorite narratives from 2014? My favorite sports narrative in 2014. Wow, that's uh... completely unprepped for this question. I could, I could <laughs> ask Matt. I could ask Matt, and he would still mention it would be that that Drake released the draft day song. That would be Matt's favorite yeah. sports uh, sports related narrative. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a big year. Let me think. Yeah, that's a good uh, question. Well, I mean, so my my favorite sports are uh, baseball and football. Those are the two that I definitely follow the closest. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of like a top narrative. Um, well, I mean, recently, everything that's gone on with uh, with Peyton Manning, I just think has been interesting. Um, and I mean, and the Seahawks trying to repeat. This is boring. I'm just like listing <laughs> like the the top teams in uh, in whatever sports I can think of. No, this um, is useful I, for I, me. No, actually, to be honest, the answer probably has to be LeBron. If I think back about just like the number one overall top story in sports in 2014, it has to be LeBron going back home. Um, you know, losing in the finals in his last year in Miami and then going back to Cleveland. I mean, I can't imagine any uh, individual story was bigger or had a bigger impact on the its own league than that. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of a monster story. Yeah, and I, I guess going back to what, what I was saying about not the, like the relevance of, of, uh, of SI versus ESPN and everything else, but, you know, he did, you know, he decided to release that big sort of... Um, you know, the, his large yeah. article, right, was in was in SI, right? Yeah, so, well, and I actually uh, joke that was our most read story of 2014. And I think because uh, we posted at the end of the year, we had all this cool like year end stuff looking back. And I think number one was that story uh, written by LeBron with Lee Jenkins. And then our second most read story was a piece that Richard Sherman had written in the MMQB. So I joke that there are two uh, highest rated authors or most read authors or whatever are LeBron and Richard Sherman. So all those right. a, a huge uh, kids out staff. there hoping to become famous writers, uh, good luck because yeah, LeBron, we- LeBron wrote the piece with the most page views. Right. All the kids out there looking to become sports writers uh, work on your jump shot is the yeah. lesson. Um, <laughs> but uh, – yeah, I guess one of the things I was going to ask you is that the, one of the bigger, like looking at like three to five year narratives, I think, um, I, I guess for me, one of the most interesting things in sports is sort of where the NFL is going and when, because I think the NBA has a much larger sort of growth potential than the NFL for, no, for numerous reasons. And I feel as though 
uh, and I like a lot of what Adam Silver has done since he became the commissioner. But I feel as though uh, with the new TV deal and maybe in five or six years, maybe in 10 or 20 years, really, I just think the NBA is going to be so much more impactful from a global standpoint. Do you, uh, do you completely disagree with that statement or, or, or is that sort of uh, – have you thought about it that way? It's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, globally, it's tough to tough to predict what's going on. It's uh, it's definitely. I mean, a lot of people feel that football is going to go down in popularity, um, and because you know, football is pretty clearly the king right now, um, but other sports have been number one at a time and then gone down. And and yeah, there are a lot of reasons to dislike uh, football and and sort of the concussion issue, and then the rules and changing the game and calling all the penalties and the and the replay and all the uh, off the field controversies and everything and, and how badly the league has handled some of that. Um, you know, so there are, there are a lot of reasons why football could slip and, and yeah, people are always going to love sports. So I guess it's natural to try and think uh, about what will take over and, and become number one. And maybe it's basketball. Um, I think it's about think- time that the uh, Mad Men episode where Highlight is, uh, is supposed <laughs> to be the next thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Um, that's that's good. I didn't even uh, I didn't even watch Mad Men, but I've seen that scene because uh, I feel like that's a video people have have shared around or sent to me or whatever. Um, yeah, so I- Highlight Highlight and the X- XFL. <laughs> the, the, some, yeah. some of the some of the greatest blunders. Uh, the of- XFL could be much more popular if it had launched now. I think Bill Simmons might have written about this uh, at some point, or it was like a reader question. But, did, but didn't the have- XFL like did all of the things for football that uh, that the NFL is currently taking out of the game. And if if it was to launch now, I think some people would actually love seeing a league where you can just knock the crap out of people, and you're not going to get flagged for it. It didn't have something to do with uh, like the World Wrestling Federation, too. Like, well, uh, yes. was it? Yeah, Vince McMahon uh, was like the founder or owner of the league, or, or is that what happened? I think that might have been the connection. Yeah. yeah well, for, for, one of my favorite things is actually there's a movie, which is an awful film, uh, called uh, The Sixth Day, and it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think it came out in like 2001. Uh, maybe it's 2000. And uh, they had the amazing premonition. They're like, it was set in the near future. I think it actually was set in 2015, uh, which is amazing. And it's actually a cloning movie. But one of my favorite parts of that film is that the opening sequence is it's like it, it's the XF, it's the XFL, and and the XFL has has survived till 2015, which of course it didn't because it folded after two years. But in in the opening sequence, the quarterback of the like the team like dies from the spinal injury, and the secret cloning program like clones him so that like he he can come back and play the next week. So I, I always thought it was funny that after like you know it's like the XFL will be around in 2015, and of course it's folded after like four and a half months so and 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 you're uh that reminds me of uh you asked me about the biggest storyline for 2014 the biggest storyline in sports in 2015 will be whether or not the cubs can win the world series like Like in back to the future future too yeah exactly right because they beat that's the story it all comes down to this yeah because we have the 3d technology to have the weird the weird like hologram thing that happens with marty mcfly in the future but we don't have we do the well the crazy thing too i always thought this is i think the cubs in back to the future too the cubs beat the miami sharks right and, and the fact that uh yeah they I, I don't know if it was the sharks but i know that they had them beating miami and the team it was, was a fish. Called florida and then they just recently a couple of years ago changed the name from florida to miami which made it look like maybe there's a chance you know they play they're both in the nl so they can't play in the world series but maybe something's going on and, and back to future <laughs> two had it right I, I i completely agree and actually when i thought they were going to move houston to the al i thought they would have to move miami to the al to fulfill the prophecy of the Back to the Future 2 Cubs beating uh, the Miami team. But anyway, this is – Beat them in the NLCS maybe. Yeah. No, I love uh, I, I love when movies do future sci-fi stuff that then like – obviously it never works out. But it's always like – it's always like way closer than you thought it was. Um, it's like Parks of Rec, which is now set in 2017 for some reason and they have yeah. those 3D phones. Uh, Wait, this really? Is now gone off. This is not what we what we planned on talking about today. But this is great. <laughs> it, re- it really does not matter. I gotta uh, I gotta watch more Parks and Rec. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, the, yeah, I love the 3D phone. Um, no, but yeah, I guess with with the whole, I just don't see. I, mean, I guess people haven't really talked about it because maybe maybe people don't care. I mean, I guess with all the controversy that's happened this past year, like people still. 
like ratings are huge. No one really cares. I don't. I guess th- there's got to be a weird tipping point where people stop watching football, but I I just don't know when that will actually be. Well, when is I, when is soccer going to happen? Because it seems like it's <laughs> it's got it's it comes to a point where everyone's like, yeah, soccer. Like we we love the World Cup, and then it's just like, nah. Well, it's only a certain group of people that go to the Union games. It yeah. does. I feel like every time there's a World Cup, it's more and more popular. Like you're right that they say that every World Cup, but it really yeah. I mean, does gain. I can only I mean, remember I like three World Cups. World Cup, everybody's more and more into it. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I love soccer. I mean, I played it when I was you know in high school and and before then. I mean, me and Dan actually first met on a soccer team that that won the uh, the the championship, the intramural. Was it the Plymouth Soccer? Plymouth Soccer. I was in that league. We. I. I don't know if we were ever on the same team. I feel like we definitely played against each other, though. Yeah. I. I. I feel like we were very competitive. I, I feel like somebody probably got injured, and. Uh, but no. But you're right. Everyone. <laughs> everyone played. Everyone played soccer. But then, when you get older, you don't watch soccer, which is a very strange phenomenon. But I guess it's just it's just a cultural thing because it's so culturally irrelevant. It doesn't really matter, right? Well, so, I mean, soccer is just such an easy game <clears throat> for kids to play because it's really cheap and you don't need a ton of equipment or, you know, it's easy to find a soccer field and play. I feel like that's part of the reason why so many kids play it. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. But I still – and maybe I just see it because I'm on sports Twitter like all day. But I still see – I see a ton of people that are talking about soccer and, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to follow the Premier League from the U.S. than it was – uh, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, whatever. Um, so, you know, I don't know too much about how uh, how much the MLS has grown or is growing, but it does seem like more people that I know follow the Premier League. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think that's for sure. I, I just think that the quality of play in the U.S. professionally probably isn't that great, um, which is why it's it's sort of a dormant thing. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I think a, a ton of people, I mean, every sports bar that I know plays, uh, especially in L.A., plays, you know, English Premier League you know, whenever it's on in the mornings or, or whatever the strange time is. Um, but uh, speaking of things that are hard to play, what, what do you see as the future of baseball? Because that's, I think that's the sport that you and I liked the most growing up uh, when the Phillies were absolutely awful. And then of course they, they got good <laughs> I can't, in, in I the can't mid-2000s. Stand baseball. Matt hates baseball. I hate baseball. Yeah. A lot of people do. Um, I don't know. Weirdos. Baseball is so great. How can you hate baseball? The strategy, Nothing the slow happens. burn, the marathon, <laughs> well, so, the 162 So, actually, I'd be curious games, to hear uh, – Matt, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because um, well, they're, they're, uh, they're instituting a pitch clock, um, and they're, it looks like they're going to do it in the minor leagues this season. So there will be this big blinking clock telling the pitcher he has to throw it within 20 seconds, and all <laughs> baseball purists I hate, hate it. it. And people think it. it's either not necessary or it's stupid or, you know, it's baseball probably not necessary. Like, famously says that it's the only sport without a clock. So as a non-baseball fan or watcher, does that – do you like that idea or does that help or no? I don't know. How much does beer cost? <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it still 10 bucks a beer? I, I feel like – yeah, I feel like they don't serve uh, – and they also don't ser- serve beer after the sixth inning. I mean I, one of my coworkers made a really good argument. He was just like, I don't know how you can't you, – you can't uh, – not like baseball, you know, you could just go to a bar or you could go to a bar that's outside and there, there just <laughs> happens to be a game going on and you're with your friends anyway. And I'm like, all right, all right, fine. But well, it, it's definitely the sport that I think it, that still is my favorite thing to go to. Like I, I still I, – I st- Yeah, I guess here's my thing. I really did not like playing baseball when I was a kid because I was just bored out of my mind. Um mm-hmm. But I, I I was too busy calculating my own statistics. That that's why I because I was like while while other things were going on, I just wanted like, to play I was computer just games. Calculating <laughs> you know my my whip, which is I was know, I, I was terrible at baseball. It's weird that I uh, <clears throat> decided I love it so much because I was like most uh, most of the time I feel like people uh, enjoy things that they're good at, and I was just a terrible baseball player. But then would go home and and just watch the Phillies and and become an obsessive baseball fan. Yeah, I just remember standing out in left field and, and just being like, this is – like nothing is going to happen. And then the, the, I would be in the middle of, of a, a daydream. The ball would come right at me. I remember this one time. I was like, oh, shit. The ball is coming right at me. And it's like it's like almost coming straight into my glove. And it just hits my glove. And, and then it forces it right back into my face and just nails me. I drop the ball. 
<laughs> I actually one of my uh, one of my worst uh, sports injuries was because I wasn't paying attention on the baseball field. <laughs> yeah. um, we were I don't know how old we were, but it was the age where they used uh, pitching machines. So because I guess uh, like when you, you first started, it was like t-ball. And then it was like the coaches would pitch, just like toss it underhand. And then we used pitching machines. And then eventually we were old enough that the kids would actually pitch. Um, so we're in the pitching machine league, but there was still a quote unquote pitcher, like as a defensive position, there was just yeah. a kid who would stand next to the pitching machine. And, uh, and I was doing that for this game. And that <laughs> is by far, that's the worst uh, spot <laughs> on the baseball field to be not paying attention. But I was just off in my own little world and, and dreaming. And uh, and somebody hit a line drive right back at me, and it was too late. And I got hit right in the mouth. Oh, with, and, and I couldn't have been more than, like, 30 or 40 feet away off an aluminum bat. And I mean, it probably wasn't as bad as I thought it was at the time because I'm sure it was just, like, a 10-year-old kid swinging. But it definitely uh, – blood everywhere that was uh, that was a brutal day yeah if, if that's not an amazing advertisement for youth baseball i don't know what is <laughs> well, uh, it's using wooden bats and then i would have been fine yeah no exactly um but yeah i kind of like matt you obviously hate baseball i love the intricacies of baseball i love all the stats i love how um i love the dichotomy of, of baseball purists versus sabermetrics um i uh it, it's just because for me I'm not a statistician, uh, but for me, and baseball and is Saber, such a huge sample size. And like sabermetrics is the the Moneyball thing, right? Yeah, does that roughly? Does like how can you be a baseball purist and be against that? I feel like the entire the, like the entire reason that people really like baseball is for the the stats. So the the main and I and I can uh, I get frustrated sometimes. I'll try not to get too worked up here, or maybe that's maybe that's what you guys want. <laughs> yeah, that, that's um, what I want. I think you're. But yeah, so kids. I'm I'm definitely I'm all in on the saber movement uh, and advanced stats and analytics, and I feel the way about baseball and and really every sport because um, I think you know football uh, has gotten better with it, and and basketball they're doing all the motion capture technology stuff, and it's really cool. Right. Um, and some people just say like they they're like the the stereotype is like the old crusty scout who trusts his eyes and doesn't right. need the like numbers this guy this guy looks like good. a baseball player <laughs> but what bothers me cuz i see this debate and i hop into it from time to time but it bothers me like how dug in people are and i wish it could be like an actual conversation where you could say well here's you know here are the stats and what the numbers say and here's why i feel this way and then have somebody else be like, "Oh, that's interesting. I, you know, I disagree with you, but that, but I respect your opinion." But that's not a conversation that ever happens anywhere on the internet. Um, but it's just amazing how dug in both sides are. And like you, I just you, it feels like you can't. You're either saber or you're not. And it's very hard uh, for people to just like keep an open mind. Like you can disagree with it without being like anti and hating it. And, and I see that where. You know, I'll read a story or something on a site like uh, Baseball Prospectus or Fangraphs that's like really stat heavy, and people just dismiss it so quickly. And and it's like, well, they can't even like read it. Or like if something happens, like the the Kansas City Royals who went to the World Series, they were sort of like the anti saber team because they were doing a lot of like small ball and and things that uh, uh, you know things that you just wouldn't expect to happen their run was really unlikely and there were so many people ready to just like rub it in everyone's faces and be like see you guys don't know anything about baseball and it's like well all right whatever well i like when the two schools of thought like combine because in some ways like the classic argument is oh this guy it's like you know it's like the bo jackson thing it's like it's like it's like bo jackson it's like he could hit a ball a mile and, and the ball just sounded different off his bat and he could do this but and and he was a tremendous athlete, but sabermetrically, you know, he didn't hit for average. He didn't really get on base that much. But it's like it's kind of like um, how you know uh, Jonas Cespedes, uh, like he can make some extremely good plays, but sabermetrically, he's sort of an average player. And so it's sort of the because his OPS is like six ninety or something after he got traded. Um, so it is it is kind of interesting to, for people. You know, that whole argument happens constantly. And I agree. You need both. But I think that's that's another problem with the stereotyping is that people think – the people who are anti-analytics uh, think that the analytics people don't know anything about the game or don't watch the game 
or look at film. And so the, the Sixers are in this uh, revolution because they hired Sam Hinkie, an analytics guy, and a lot of people loved the move and a lot of people hated it because they said, oh, they're hiring uh, you know an analytics guy and he's going to use his computers to build the team. And I remember watching I, his... I love I love it so much. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm all bored on uh, on Team Hinky, but I, I remember watching his intro press conference, and somebody asked him a question, and he had to explain that he spends a lot of time in the gym uh, watching people and and like scouting players, and like of course he does. He's he's an NBA general manager now, and the fact that he had to explain that he does actually spend time like watching players, he's not just like looking at his computer all the time. Like it is, it's it's so important to be able to do both. And let, let me, that's, let me, that's part of the problem is that people think the people think that the computer guys don't actually watch games, but like of course even the the saber stat nerds are still like watching baseball games to to help Im- inform their decisions. Well, let me explain what the Sixers are going through uh, for Matt. So, okay. okay, so Matt, say you are a company uh, that you you have a few assets, but you have a lot of debt, and there's no real way to get out of that debt. Without filing chapter chapter seven, uh, or cha- is it chapter eleven, or what is it for businesses? I forget what it is. But chapter you want thirteen, perhaps? Uh, yeah, go on. some cha- <laughs> some chapter of bankruptcy. So it's either you could struggle on with sort of what you have and sort of eke out a living, or sort of hope that things turn the corner. You're sort of waiting for an act of God for to turn the corner, or you file bankruptcy and you try and get rid of all your debt and try and start over again from the bottom. And and you have a few very rough years, but ultimately, once you emerge from bankruptcy, you have a much better outlook than sort of being mired in mediocrity for 10 years. That's sort of uh, – Mitch, would you agree that's sort of what the Sixers have sort of decided to do? Uh, that's a long explanation. Basically, the Cliff Notes <laughs> version is that they're tanking and they stripped away their team to be awful, hoping to stockpile draft picks. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. It's, they, they'd rather be awful. Like yeah. the worst, the worst thing is to be mediocre. So they'd rather be right. awful. I'm, I'm glad you went on the bankruptcy uh, analogy, <laughs> where you could have just been like, "Well, you know, if they're bad for long enough, they'll just get enough draft picks." Yeah, yeah. Which explains, <laughs> which explains the Tank Squad Twitter account. Uh, yeah, but but it's it, the NBA is is I don't know. It's probably one of the more unbalanced leagues in terms of how many people make the playoffs and actually well it's really because there's only five people on the court at the same time and so one person can change the outlook of a game way more than say in baseball or in football when you have more people yeah. on the field of any of any sport basketball is the one where you most yeah. need a star to to lead your team to a title and so the thinking is get as bad as possible to uh to get more draft picks and what's been genius by the Sixers, which is sort of unintentional, is that they've they've not only have they been very bad, but they've also drafted uh, lots of players with upside. However, who have been injured, or and this is my favorite, are not in the country. Um, <laughs> right, and I don't you don't know for sure that that's unintentional. That might all be part of the plan. Um, it sounded like your your longer explanation. To Matt was really also your way of just rationalizing it to, to and defending it that you think it's fine to do because people do it in other uh, in, in business as well. Um, Comple- no, completely. I, yeah. I think anyone who and, well, and, and let's actually, be honest, it, it is a business. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's like ultimately uh, you're trying to build the value of uh, of the team, and I know people are like, "Well, I paid for for season tickets, or I did this, and and wa- I'm trying to watch a fun, entertaining game." And actually, the team uh, this year, because they have a lot of young athletic players, who uh, I, mean, I would say that they're anything but but I mean they're 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 very entertaining. In it's, it's fun. I, I actually, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people in the national media uh, before the season, they were like, "Oh, I can't believe the Sixers are doing this to their fans." And I'm sure, you know, I, I'm, there are fans who have given up or bailed or left for a couple of years and, and will hopefully come back. But the fans have stuck around are having fun. Like maybe I just only see a certain uh, corner of it, but I feel like Sixers Twitter has had a good time like watching. And, and it's kind of like you're the underdog every night and you don't expect to win and you don't necessarily even want the team to win that often. But it's still like really fun to see them win uh, and like to follow a game, a close game at the end. People tune in and, and get excited. Um, and, 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 you know, I actually, I went to a game, uh, 
last week in Brooklyn when they beat the Nets, and it was awesome. And like in the long term, you do hope that they're not a not a good team against. They get a good draft pick, but when you're sitting there watching the game, you're not like rooting for them to lose and like hoping Michael Carter Williams misses shots. Like you want the guys to to develop and and play well and and become better. And they've actually done that. I think they've won like four of their last seven. And... They, they've been winning way too much. It's, it's, yeah. it's not. Yeah, so somebody will get a, a phantom injury, maybe. I, but, yeah, uh, I wouldn't want to see like somebody half-assing a losing season. Like, yeah, well, exactly. we could have lost it's, every it's, game, but we... it's fun. Like the team, well, but the players aren't half-assing anything. Like they're still out there trying, and uh, and and Brett Brown's coaching them up. It's it's been kind of a fun experiment. Maybe I also maybe... I I feel like, and I've said this a few times, that there are a lot of teams in the league who have tanked over the years, and there were a bunch doing it last year. And it sort of feels like the Sixers have unfairly been made a scapegoat where, like, they wanted to change the draft lottery, which is fine to take a look at that and totally understandable. But, like, everybody was just blaming the Sixers. And all these reports came out where reporters would say, you know, all these owners are outraged by what the Sixers are doing. And it's like, come on. Like, so many teams have done that. Yeah, but they're also uh, not even and, the worst team in the league. Like, the, like right. the, Knicks, the Knicks are, like, way worse than they are. Not way worse, but, like, like but definitely worse. Games. I think the Knicks have, are 5 and 30-something, uh, and the Sixers are now up to 8 wins. I mean, how would, right. they, how would they do against the, the Washington Generals? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, is it, what the, the team that always loses to the Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, maybe they could try, like, a Harlem Globetrotters routine and— uh, Either they could well, be the generals, they could try some Globetrotters moves, you know, like the bucket of confetti would be yeah, pretty good. It is, it is funny because you, uh, you mentioned narratives earlier, Mitch, and or actually I did, but we were talking about it. And there was actually a big narrative about how people – it's like, could the Sixers beat Kentucky? That was a big yeah. narrative. Um, did you have many stories about that? There was because uh, Matt Kentucky's very good. It's like probably the best team in the country, or one of them. And, and the whole thing was like, could, could the the Sixers are so back? They they started the season I think zero and seventeen, and the whole thing was like, could they beat this best college? And, team? This, and this, I feel like this argument happens every year when there's like a really good undefeated college team, um, and somebody whoever it is uh, is always like the punchline of the season in the NBA. And I feel like this question comes up. And for the most part, most people who are plugged in don't take it seriously because the NBA guys are grown men and are, well, I guess, I mean, the Sixers are young. So, but I mean, the Kentucky, all the kids are like freshmen and some sophomores. So, uh, you know, they, they, uh, a lot of them aren't ready to be in the NBA yet and they would probably lose pretty badly to an NBA team. Hmm. I would think. (laughs) Um, so, uh, so what? Here, I got a question. What is your yeah. opinion of uh, Mark Cuban? My opinion of him, I think he's. Uh, I like him. Uh, I mean, uh, he's he's done a good job as an owner. It seems like his team has been uh, really good for a long time. A lot of that's they, you know, sort of hit the jackpot uh, getting Dirk. But um, you know, lots of teams hit the jackpot at some point with a with a good player, and he's been able to put a good team around Dirk and and keep him and build a stable team. Um, so he's a good owner. He, uh, I like that he's willing to, uh, call out the commissioner or call out whoever it is and, and be himself and stand up for himself. Um, you know, I, I guess he, he rubs some people the wrong way, but, um, I think most people seem to like him and, and, you know, I'm fine with him. Okay. Why do you, why do you bring that up? I'm just curious. Uh, cause he's a, like a tech, uh, person. He made all of his money off of yeah. selling like broadcast.com and, and another company before that. And he's on shark tank. Which is to me, I'm, what I'm, is, I'm pretty sure you're asking because he's on Shark Tank. Uh, yeah. he, it, Shark Tank is one of the silliest uh, t- uh, shows on television right now. I do like a little, that. Little he, uh, <laughs> I like that when he goes to the games, he kind of just like hangs out in like jeans and a t-shirt and and like sits in a nice seat because I feel like that's what I would do if I owned a team. Uh, like, like just, he's not like, in a yeah, box yeah. somewhere, like eating like shrimp cocktail. <laughs> Yeah. No, he well, you know he's, he's usually courtside and very animated. Uh, yeah. yeah, he gets if fined. I, if uh, if if I would own a team, I'd, I'd go to games wearing the the t-shirts that weren't handed out to the teams that lost. I, I'd have an entire wardrobe just of <laughs> of, of t-shirts of teams that didn't win. It's um, just like Sixers World uh, Champions two thousand two, yeah, two thousand one. Um, That'd be great. 
But uh, yeah, no, there's so there's so many stories, and I feel like it's all like, exacerbated by by social media in some way. But like last year was so big in terms of social media sports stories, um, you know, from the whole Clippers fiasco to you know to the Ray Rice situation to Roger Goodell mishandling or whatever he is, and and I just feel like there was every two weeks, which I guess is the same for all kinds of news, but there's always some other narrative, um, you know, and I don't know, I just feel like. Uh, how do you see your job? You know, what's, I guess you can't really predict what you, how you see your job in 2015, but, um, does it, does it seem like there's so much going on that it's harder to keep track of things or, or is that because, because there's such a social media news presence or, or how do you see that Mitch? Yeah. I'm, I don't know that it's harder to keep track. Um, cause it's sort of like, you know, there's the news cycle can only fit so much and, you know, we have more like tools to keep track of it. Like it's easy to just kind of scroll through a Twitter feed than having to catch the news at a certain time. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, how much of the news is off the field stuff? Um, because I still, I love like reading, uh, matchups, like diving into a game, uh, a game preview, like here are the X's and O's, uh, you know, for the, football playoff games coming up and sometimes it does feel like there's like i don't want to say less of those stories there's still the same number of people writing it but it's like you spend so much time reading about all the off-field stuff when you'd like to be reading about uh you know the keys to this upcoming game or what to watch for or, or even like recaps of stuff and and it's, it's amazing how much traffic is spent people uh keeping up with stories of things that aren't taking place on the field or the court or whatever well, no, it's, it seems like every story. It seems like so many stories are off the field stuff, but also so many stories are, are like off season or draft stuff. It, yeah. it seems as though there's very few stories. Um, even though I think that you know, like Grant Land, I'm obviously a big fan. I think has done, although a lot of their stories are sort of like stupid, like trade value, like hypothetical kind of conversation, like bar, like you know, like bar conversation stories. But I do think that they do, you know, they, they have a good deal of, of good actual breakdowns of stuff. But I feel like so many stories are not actually about the actual games anymore. And they're just about um, hypothetical off-season trades and, and sort of retrospectives on the draft and stuff instead of actual, like, actual coverage of the actual games. But I guess if that's people, what people want, then that's what they want. Yeah, I was, it might have been uh... – Zach Lowe at Grantland that was writing about um, before the season started that it was like the off season of like the that like the off season in basketball was more interesting than the season and it was him or somebody people or other people have made the point that so many people love playing fantasy sports and it makes them think that they could be a GM of a team or just at least uh, has people more interested in like roster building. So, so many people now are paying attention more to what the GM is doing. And, and there are all these stories about contracts and how teams are, are being built. And it's maybe, whereas in the, in the past that might've been just like fine print agate type, like transactions. But now people are like very interested in that kind of thing because it's something they sort of do on their own as a hobby with their fantasy football teams. And, and they like learning about that and, and reading about what's going on and, and following moves that different GMs are make it, gems are making it's like becoming a bigger uh a bigger source of news for people to follow hmm. i was well, also i was reading that um i was reading a story during the uh baseball playoffs i think it might have been uh will leach uh was writing it at uh, sports on earth and he was talking about how in the past uh when fans fans would get angry and they'd blame the player and they'd say like oh this reliever uh who gave up the home run you know he sucks uh we don't like him and now instead they've started blaming the gm and instead of blaming the guy who gave up the home run they say oh i can't believe our gm didn't go out and get somebody better to pitch in the seventh inning every night and yeah it's not even blame the manager it's not even blame the manager anymore it's it's really blame it's like it's blame the owner and the GM. It's like this for, roster. For how is- they put the team together, and and it's this weird uh, thing. And he had, he cited a few examples, um, but where people just I guess feel more uh, capable themselves of building a team and understanding how a team is built. So that's the that's the new thing for them to blame instead of uh, instead of getting mad that the third baseman struck out, be mad that the GM didn't go out and get a better third baseman. 
I hope that doesn't happen with movies, you know, because at least now people still blame the the writer and the director because that's the most that's the most tangible thing. Where it's like, well, this guy, I understand what writing and directing is, or I, I kind of have a, a semblance of an idea of what that is, but it's like I have no idea what producing is, so yeah. I, I can't I can't blame the because the producer is sort of like the GM of of a movie, so. I hope that doesn't transition to this, to this scene was poorly lit and it must be Clifton's fault. Yes. No, no, exactly. It's, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the third baseman who lit the scene. It was the, uh, it, it wasn't the director who's like the manager. It, it was the producer set this up to fail by not hiring the right people. That's yeah. exactly what that is. And I hope, I hope that doesn't, I hope, I hope that film criticism does not enter that stage, but I feel like it, I feel like it won't. Um, <laughs> Cool, man. Hopefully, you'll be directing by the time it does evolve to that point. Right. You know, and so hopefully I've transitioned into another phase to uh, to askew blame. Um, but cool. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, and joining us. I don't, I don't think you convinced Matt to like to like baseball more, but I feel like that's uh, you know we'll, we'll have to do another one where it's just an hour of me convincing him to like baseball. We can do that <laughs> once the season starts. <laughs> he, he handles he handles uh, force persuasion very well. He's not. Okay. Uh, he's. Uh, I, I feel like that would not be a good strategy. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, we'll All just. Right. Uh, yeah, just watch Moneyball a thousand times, and I think you'll. Uh, I think you'll like it. Read, no, read Moneyball. The book. Was, I hate to sound the like read. Was much better. Read. The book was much better and more realistic than the movie. Uh, you know what I liked about the movie? No reading. No reading. <laughs> <laughs> read, 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 read. Read the book. All right. <laughs> All right, all right, bitch. Uh, uh, thanks. Thanks, man. We'll See ya. Sure thing.